Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Adulting Live. Today, we're going to talk about having kids who are sporty and what it's like and what it means for the parents. Matt, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what Soccered Up is? Sure. My name's Matt Schultz, and I'm the founder of Soccered Up. And basically, the idea of Soccered Up was when my my family went a little soccer crazy over the last couple of years and went looking for information, we realized that there wasn't really a place online to find out about not just the rules and not just about the scores of games, but a little bit of all of that. So for the people who uh, whose kids are just starting to play and want to know what the different positions are on the field, to somebody who just started watching Premier League on Saturdays and wants to know which players to watch. So helping out kind of that way. So I started it mid last year and have kind of been growing it slowly but surely from there. So tell us, uh, you have kids who are uh, playing soccer? I have a 10-year-old little boy who is uh, who plays soccer, baseball, and right now I'm coaching his... Uh, his little league basketball team, just a very sporty kid who loves to play all sorts of things and is always, always out there looking to, you know, get into some sort of game. And part of the fun of being a parent and a sports nerd like myself <laughs> is to be able to go and play with him and teach him kind of what I know and that sort of thing. How did he get interested in soccer? Was it something that you encouraged or did he seek it out himself? Soccer was one of the first things that he really started to play because at a base, it's a pretty simple sport for a kid who's four or five who just wants to burn a lot of energy to play. But he really took to it, and we found ourselves playing in the yard a lot. We found ourselves watching it on TV a fair amount because there's more soccer on TV now than there's been in my lifetime, so it's easier to watch. And we also took his first overseas trip was a few years ago to Munich, Germany. And wow. it was right after the main soccer team in Munich had won the big European championship. And we kind of got caught up in the spirit and it's all kind of taken off from there. Then you mix in some World Cups and Olympics and there you go. Now, it's not just soccer, though, where, I mean, you mentioned where kids can get involved in sports. There are a lot of different sports out there to get involved in. And so when you're talking about sports and children, I think one of the big things that comes up is cost. Yeah. And, and how do you manage those costs, not just when you're playing soccer, but also when you're doing any sports with kids? How can you take care of those? I only have one child, but one, one way to certainly do it would be to keep your older child's equipment and pass it down to your younger child. That would certainly be a way to do it. But also, because youth sports have grown to be so big, there are a lot of secondhand sports stores that you can get where somebody trades in a glove or a bat or something like that, and you can save some money that way. So that can be a big deal. But then sometimes 
there's just no way to save money necessarily. And you just have to make that choice if you want to do the expense. Like, for example, we were looking at select soccer, which is a little more advanced paid coaches and that sort of thing. And when I found out about it and found out the cost of it, I just about fell over because <laughs> it's, it's a lot of money and a lot of time. We weren't quite ready to make that commitment. And my son didn't want to make the time commitment. And thankfully, because otherwise we might've had a little battle <laughs> over money. But it's it, it youth sports is not a cheap thing. What are some of the the actual costs? I mean, when you say it's not not cheap, give us a a ballpark to use a word. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're just playing in like a little YMCA league, you might spend you might spend a couple hundred dollars between registration for the league and buying cleats and buying a soccer ball and that sort of thing. But if you're playing up in select soccer or select basketball or baseball or whatever the case might be, you can spend thousands of dollars literally on registration, on travel, on uniforms, all this sort of stuff. And on camps in the summertime, there's just an awful lot of <laughs> awful lot of people making an awful lot of money off of youth sports. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that I mean, so my son actually does fencing. That's his sport. And Ooh. yeah. And one of the things you do have to plan for is uh, they're going to grow out of their gear. And you're going to have to keep growing. You're going to have to keep buying new gear. You're going to have to keep buying new uniforms. And in fencing, particularly, he's almost, he's been doing it for about a year and a half. And I bought his fencing, fencing jacket slightly big and his, his underarm protector slightly big, but he's already almost grown out of it. So I'm going to have to buy him more equipment very soon. And I, I assume that's the same too with if you're doing soccer or basketball or baseball. Uh, with soccer and baseball, you're going to have to buy the cleats regularly. You're going to have to keep upgrading as our feet get bigger, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you and if you have a season or a year where a kid has a particular growth spurt, you may end up having to uh, to buy more stuff more quickly than you might expect. And and then especially in in sports where you know it gets a little dirtier, baseball and soccer and that sort of thing, you you can't just have one uniform because if you have practice and you haven't done laundry, you can't send the kid to practice with uh, with grass stains and dirt all over him unless you want to draw the eye of the other parents. Yeah, and another thing to consider is, I mean, we talk about youth sports right now as as uh, young children, but as they age to do school sports, if they're involved in school sports, uh, we like to think, oh, well, those aren't going to be as expensive, and they may not be quite as expensive as doing it privately, like doing a baseball academy like they have here in Pennsylvania, or uh, doing like a private swim team or a select soccer team. It may not be quite as expensive, but it still comes with costs. I know that my my parents, when I did swimming and tennis, uh, my parents spent a couple hundred dollars for my school sports stuff. And that's just the, you know, when you're traveling, you, you got to pay your fees to travel to the tournaments. You've got to pay for the uniforms, the swimsuits, the, you know, and then of course the buying the gear, you know, when I played tennis, when I play high school tennis, you know, the little 
the little dinky racket, the little kid's racket that I had used up to that point is just not going to cut it anymore, <laughs> had to buy me a new tennis racket. So, I mean, there are just things like that that you have to take into consideration as well, even as they progress and even if they do school sports. Yeah, it, it really is just a matter of the costs changing and evolving over time, because especially if your kid keeps moving forward with it, because like I, I played I played uh, high school basketball and basically just did nothing but play basketball in camps and all that sort of stuff over time. And you run through shoes really quickly. And then, you, you know, if you have a, you know, a tournament that's an hour away and maybe you end up having to, you know, spend money on travel and going out to eat and all that sort of stuff, it just all kind of adds up. I mean, and we only have one kid. I mean, if you have two or three kids who are who are all sporty, good luck. You got to save some money back and be ready for that. Yeah, my, my parents had five kids, and we all we all we all did sports at some point. And I look back on that, I was like, "Good grief! No, no wonder they had to wait till we were all gone before they could have any sort of fun or spend anybody on any sort of cool vacation because they were just spending money on all our crap all the time." I was going to say, I don't think they had a weekend to themselves for about ten years there, huh? Yeah, probably. So how do you redirect kids who uh, perhaps are really interested in pursuing a sport at an advanced level and they're ready for it, but perhaps you don't have the money them and give them the enrichment that they're looking for while still maintaining your budget and making sure that you can handle everything that they'd like to do? Yeah, I mean, some of it is you have to make some difficult decisions and you have to you have to have some difficult conversations. Once once you're getting into the more select and then into like school-based sports kind of stuff, then you, you would hope that you would have a child who would be able to understand the idea of, you know, well, this is a lot of money and we don't necessarily have this or this is a lot of money and our family, including you maybe, might have to make some sacrifices if this is what you want to do. And then, you know, you can talk about, there, there are lots of stories out there about people who have made sacrifices to follow their dreams and that sort of thing. So, again, it's, it's, it's one of those where the, having the conversation might not be easy or fun, but you just need to be honest with the kid and uh, and talk it out with them. And sometimes it's not the uh, it's not just the finances. It's uh, especially as you as Miranda. I mean, you talked about having so many siblings. There's a pressure on parents in terms of how to spend the time and devote all the time towards all of the act to do. Yeah. No question. And, and as, as with anything, whether you're talking about music or acting or sports or even just math and academics, um, there are parents who parent different ways and drive, 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 and will work those kids out. And, uh, and if you are a parent who has a little different style, it's a, it's a different thing. And there's all this peer pressure and what it comes down to is you just kind of have to decide what's best for your family and try not to pay too much attention 
to to the Joneses down the street. I mean, it's it's not an easy thing to do, but that's that's what you need to do sometimes. Yeah, and I think in in my case, my parents basically said, you know, you guys can each choose two sports a year, but they can't be sports that are in the same season. So, you know, I chose swimming and tennis, swimming in the fall, tennis in the spring. I had a brother who did soccer in the fall and then tennis in the spring. And then my sister, two of my other brothers just did swimming. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like a huge burden, but yeah, my parents were very upfront with their expectations. And uh, and I've tried to be as well, just to say, hey, here's what you have to do. Because, you know, part of growing up, part of being an adult is teaching your own children to make those decisions and teaching your children to be responsible human beings. And sometimes you have to make decisions and sometimes you have to decide, okay, what is more important and, and to weigh these things. And part of being a parent and being the adult in this situation is helping your children make those decisions and think about these things. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And and also part of being an adult is understanding your limitations and your kids' limitations. And it's it's one thing if you think that uh, that you may have the next LeBron James or Peyton Manning. And I mean that's the kind of thing that if if they are really, really special you can probably see it fairly early and it can change some of the calculus in your head. But if you have a kid who just out there having a good time, good player, learning a lot, it, it, it does kind of change the way you handle things. At least you would hope it would. <laughs> As a coach, have you encountered any uh, bad parent behavior at games or practices even? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's, there's always the parent who tries to coach from the sidelines and who, when you're trying to, you know, tell a kid what to do or talk about, you know, a certain strategy or running a play where their parent may be on the sideline yelling other information at the kid and it's like, no, 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 please don't do that. And the thing, the thing that I always think with that, and, you know, I've, I've you know, not going to lie, I've done my fair share of that myself. But what you have to say is, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but you got to respect the boundaries. And ultimately, if you want to coach, we always need volunteers. You can certainly step up and, and coach next year if you want to. And ultimately with my son's basketball team, that's kind of what ended up happening with me where um, I felt like I knew a lot and that I could be helpful. And I was an assistant for year, two years and decided to try and be a head coach and just see how it went. And I've enjoyed it. I mean, it's stressful, but it's fun. As a former music teacher and now a director of a drum and bugle corps with band parents and parents yeah. of, of kids who are, are playing instruments. And there's, there's a lot of similarities, especially as you were talking about the behavior of parents sometimes. But at, at the root of it, everybody just wants to be involved in some way. And that's great. And in activities like mine and yours, I think we definitely need more parents to be involved. But having guidelines for that and trying to to make sure that everyone understands 
ethical behavior, what's overstepping bounds. I, I think it's good to to make sure everybody's aware of that um, and to prevent and to prevent people. And you know, especially in overly competitive types of activities like sports and in some cases music as well. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, you would almost always rather have the over-involved parent than the uninvolved parent, because at least that parent is there and trying. Lord knows we all mess up as parents, but putting the effort in and at least being there to watch the kid play and to pick him up after practice or to just, you know, put your arm around her after a game it's 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 just really important Uh, well let's i mean you talk about being involved but there's a line between being involved and being obnoxious right and (laughs) and and as a parent how do you avoid crossing that line how do you keep from moving into just being like hey rah 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 pick them up and coming up to the coach after and say hey i'd like to help out oh i have a couple suggestions there's that there's that that's involved but then there's also screaming on the field yelling at the ref heckling other parents and i've even seen in some some cases uh you know parents yelling at other people's children and so how how can you be a better sports parent in these situations? What are some things to keep in mind? Well, I mean, the first thing that you need to do is exercise a little bit of (laughs) self-awareness. And there is a distinct lack of that among a lot of youth sports parents where they, they may not fully recognize how obnoxious or how loud or how intense they're being. And they just need to kind of recognize, oh, okay, maybe I need to dial it back. This isn't the NBA Finals. This isn't the World Cup. Hit on and it'll be fine. And and also, you also need to recognize that when somebody makes an honest mistake, (laughs) whether it's the kid, the ref, the coach, a parent you're sitting next to, okay to you know kind of let it go and forgive because everybody says and does dumb stuff every once in a while but if somebody does it and it's just an honest mistake let it go and if you're the person who makes the honest mistake apologize profusely and go i'm sorry i you know i lost it there won't happen again yeah, that's that's some good stuff to keep in mind. And I think I, I love how you talk about this isn't the NBA finals, folks. <laughs> and, and and for real, I think a lot of the time we forget that we're dealing with human beings and the way we act also teaches our children about sportsmanship and good behavior and how to behave in a civil society. And so I I think it's it's good to keep that in mind. But while we're doing this, I, let's talk a little bit, I think, about overscheduling and uh, that, that balance that you need. Because, I mean, we're talking about sporty kids, but uh, as you mentioned, a lot of, most of our kids are not going to be in the NBA. They're not going to be playing in the MLB, not going to be professional soccer players. My son's probably going to not make it to the Olympics as a fencer. It's just the way it is. So how do we maintain that balance? How do we help them maintain that balance with their academics, with other things like arts and music? How do we, how, how do you kind of manage that with your son? I think a lot of it is 
one, exposing them to a lot of things and kind of being able to see what really gets them fired up and what they really, really want, as opposed to what they're just kind of bouncing around doing a bunch of different stuff. And then some of it is just plain old setting boundaries where, um, we've, we've never run into this with my son, but, um, a kid on my son's on, on a past soccer team of my son's his the kid's mom held him out of a game or two because uh his schoolwork suffered and we were talking nine and ten year olds and that may seem kind of extreme but i think that's an example of giving that message really really early on is really impactful because if you wait too long and let it go for too long and it gets to be trouble in middle school, high school, then it's a whole lot harder to deal with than when you're just talking about um, younger kids like that. So it, a lot of it is just knowing where to set the boundaries and being firm in what your, uh, what your values are, really. You know, I, I don't have children of my own, um, and so there's not a lot that I have to add personally from that perspective, but I was also involved in a lot of activities as I was growing up. I, I managed to uh, eliminate the things that I wasn't as passionate about to focus on those that I was, and I had a pretty full schedule, uh, but again, my parents were very supportive of everything that I was passionate about, and they found a, they found a way to make it work for the most part, or at least they never they never never made it feel like to me that I was being held back because limitation that we had within our family or any or anything like that. You know, as long as long as I was paying attention to my grades, to a you know. Uh, mostly, then I was I was able to um, you know participate in all the activities I was interested in. Yeah, I think that's good. It and I actually just recently, my son just played in his Christmas piano recital, and it is his final piano recital uh, because we were looking at it and realized that uh, it's important for him to have time to kind of relax a little bit each day and not feel overscheduled and overstressed. And uh, I, I like the, I, I want him, I'm like, you have to have one music, one sports, and then one sort of personal improvement type activity. And he's doing band at school. So I just figure, you know, we could drop the piano. He doesn't have time to practice. It stresses him out. And we're starting to get to that point where he's overscheduled. So as long as he has his band to do the music and he has the fencing, and then he is actually doing a quilt in 4-H. And so I think like Matt was talking about exposing them to different things is a good idea because it helps them be a little more well-rounded. But you also have to be sensitive to the idea that not every kid can do a lot of activities. I yeah. did way more activities than my son does, and I could handle it fine and still get good grades. He cannot. He's a different person than I am. <laughs> he could not handle that same level of activity that I had. Yeah, and, and for me, I played, um, I played basketball for three years in high school, played a year of varsity, and then left the varsity basketball team to become the editor of the high school newspaper. Cause I just didn't want to do, I, I just didn't want to kind of half-heartedly do both. And I just kind of felt like I was kind of burnt out on basketball and was ready to move on to something else. And that, 
that burnt out feeling is also something I'm very sensitive to when it comes to, to kids as well, because, you know, if you just play, if you commit to the same sport or the same instrument or whatever it might be for too long, too early, you're just going to get tired of it unless you're just, you know, the complete child prodigy, but that doesn't come around very often. I, I just really think mixing it up is better in just any number of ways. Where do you go to find resources to perhaps give them information about potential scholarships in college or other opportunities that might be available to them? Is it really through the coaches who do you go beyond them? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is through um, through coaches. It's through counselors at high school. Um, depending on what sport you play, there are outside organizations, whether it's, you know, AAU for a bunch of different sports or it's, you know, select or a soccer academy or whatever the case might be. There's a lot of people who have a who are out there who can help you find that information and then there are other also there are also other sites out there that have kind of bubbled up over the years that have been designed to give a player the ability to put up video of themselves to kind of get their name out there a little bit if they're not you know mr five-star linebacker or or center or something like that. Um, so there's, if, if you look around, there's a lot of uh, information out there to be found. And I think I like your point about the sites where you can upload this stuff because I mean, I live in Idaho. <laughs> nobody, nobody sends their scouts to Idaho high school. So find mm -hmm. somebody to do sports, they just don't. And so I think that that's an important thing too. If you kind of live off the beaten path, then being able to upload it and use those resources is a really great thing. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you are in Idaho or Wyoming or any, any, you know, less populated state, frankly, any place other than Florida, Ohio, California, and Texas playing sports, <laughs> yeah. it's harder for you because every college of any shape and size sends coaches to you know high school football basketball swimming volleyball on down the line constantly <laughs> in those states because they know there's so many kids there and if you're a kid in another state you may have to get on a an AAU team that may have to travel across state lines to be seen and that's a whole other expense so there's it's it's a pretty complicated thing, and if you're a if you're a parent of a kid who is really talented, there's a lot to keep an eye out for, and a lot to kind of lot to be wary of, frankly, because you know there's there's always people there who are who are trying to keep your best interests at heart, but then there are also people who are just out there for themselves too. Is there any way to get any kind of a third party opinion in terms of whether, I mean, you know, you, you might see your child excel in your community or even 
your count date, but how do you know if he if he or she is going to be at a level that is competitive? You know that might that might take the child to the Olympics or to professional sports or or professional anything. Is, is there any way to really evaluate that? Because like you said, you know, the coaches might have their own, you know, agenda in terms of moving people along. Yeah, a lot of times that's done in summer camps and that sort of thing. And, but, but so much of it is just playing the game and being willing to put yourself out there. And, and frankly, that's why select leagues and things like that can charge that money (laughs) because frankly they're taking advantage of parents who have this dream that their kid's going to get through that select league and get that college scholarship and save their parents a ton of money and while there are certainly some kids who will most kids won't and and you really have to run the numbers and you really have to make sure that you understand what you're getting into before you commit to that kind of thing. Parents who want their kids to kind of live out the dream that they had. Uh, how do you, how do you know that you're sure on your child to excel at something maybe they're not passionate about, but they're going to make you as as their parent happy so they might not be as forthcoming or honest about what they really want to do how do you make sure you're not putting that pressure on it's it's hard and it really kind of varies by kid because i mean frankly it takes a pretty brave kid to go up to mom or dad and say you know i don't want to play this i'm not having fun i'd rather go pick up a guitar or I'd rather go and write or whatever the case might be. I mean, to a degree, I think that if you, I think you should be able to, if you watch your kid through the motions in practice and go through everything that is involved in playing these sports, I think you can get a feel for whether your kid is enjoying it or not, or if they're just kind of doing it because mom and dad are forcing them to. Um, it's, not, it's not always easy, and I think the signs could really vary by kid, but it's, it's an important thing because as much as you might enjoy sports and as much as you might hope that your kid enjoys sports, the last thing you want is to have your kid resent you because you ramrodded them through sports when all they really wanted to do hang out and do other things or be creative or express themselves in other ways. Yeah, and I think there's a I think there's a fine line there though because uh, one of my goals, like I said, is I I want him to pick some sort of physical activity. I want him to have that yeah. that uh, habit, right? Build that habit of physical activity. But I also want him to do other activities. So I think part of that has been me saying, hey, you know, I'm not going to push you into one particular sport. You can pick some sort of physical exertion type activity that you're going to do, whether it's whether it's swimming, whether it's, well, he picked fencing, uh, you know, whatever that is. I mean, he used to play uh, little league baseball when he was younger, but then as he got older, he didn't want to do that. It wasn't interested in that anymore. And so he's, 
wants to, he wanted to do fencing and it's worked out really well and he really enjoys it. So, but at the same time, I, I don't expect him, you know, I'm not pushing him in ways that I don't expect like sports to be his livelihood. <laughs> and yeah. I think a lot of parents kind of forget that, you know, as, as Harlan was saying, they're kind of living through their children and they forget this is their child's life and they're kind of pushing them. And it's a very small, any school number of kids who are actually going to make sports their livelihood. Right. Well, and it's, and it's something that is a little different from, um, from our generations where we spent, I would imagine, most of our childhoods outside running around and, you know, doing whatever, and that it's just not the case anymore. So there is the need to do a little bit of pushing, even if it's not signing up for an organized team sport, to, to push that physical activity because if you don't, it can, it can be really detrimental to a kid's health. And that's, that's something that wasn't even something that I don't think ever entered into my mom and dad's radar because <laughs> we were always outside. I, they hardly ever saw us during the day in the summertime. So, Is it possible that um, some kids might take their activities too seriously and maybe ultra competitiveness might harm them? Um, and are there any signs of that? How, how could you look out for that? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a fine line between hating to lose in being a bad sport <laughs> or just being a straight up jerk. <laughs> and, and while you, while in business or in any line of work going forward, not liking to lose is generally a good trait as long as you can wrangle it in. It is also something that has to be learned where if a kid has a meltdown every time something negative happens or every time they lose, it's something you need to speak with them about and talk with them about how, um, you know, it's a game. Don't worry about it. As long as you do your best, you're fine. Um, but it's, it can be a, it can be a challenging thing because you don't want to squelch that competitive fire, but you also don't want to raise a jerk. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, I think, uh, I think we're, we've covered quite, especially, um, for, for, uh, parents who are, are in the situation now where they have kids who are, are getting involved in, in activities, uh, is, can you tell us a little bit again, how, how people can find you online? We're at uh, SoccerUp.com, and uh, also we have a Facebook page. It's Facebook.com slash SoccerUp, and also uh, at Instagram at SoccerUp as well. And lots of information about the rules and kind of basics of soccer, but also to give you a little information on some of the players and teams that you might want to watch on. Thanks for joining us today, Matt. You can subscribe to adulting.tv at adulting.tv slash iTunes and visit us at adulting.tv. We'll see you next time for adulting.tv live. Thank you for listening to adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.